This is the Daily Detail, powered by 1819 News, Honest News. Alabama. Alabama. Our great state. The voice of Alabama values. Alabama. Unbelievable people. And now, here is Andrea Tice. U.S. Senator Katie Britt is seeking to introduce the Citizens Ballot Protection Act within the U.S. Senate. The bill was first introduced by Alabama Congressman Gary Palmer into the U.S. House. The bill allows for states to verify U.S. citizenship of a person who is voting in federal elections. Britt is offering the bill within the Senate Rules Committee, and she says voting in our country is a sacred right that must be limited to American citizens only. Britt also said it should not be controversial for states to seek to prevent non-citizens from voting in either state or federal elections. The Citizenship Protection Act makes changes to the National Voting Rights Act by allowing states to require proof of citizenship before a person can register to vote. Well, despite the visit to Congress from Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, U.S. Senator Tommy Tuberville says the attention and efforts of Congress should be focused on the U.S.-Mexico border. Tuberville says the situation at the border is a crisis and no other issue even comes close, including sending more money and weapons to Ukraine. The purpose of Zelensky's visit to the White House and to Congress this week was to solicit more money for the Ukrainian forces that are fighting against Russia. Tuberville says that Republicans now have leverage to utilize over the Biden administration and Democrats who are insisting on more money to Ukraine. Tuberville wants Republicans to insist on border funding and policy changes before there's any consideration of money to that country. Alabama Congressman Dale Strong talks about the House impeachment inquiry against Joe Biden. Strong was on FM Talk 106.5 out of Mobile on the very same day that Hunter Biden was supposed to appear before the House Oversight Committee for a closed-door deposition. Instead, Hunter held a press conference saying that his dad is innocent. Strong talked about the evidence that has been gathered so far from the House Oversight Committee. He did so with 1819 News Editor-in-Chief Jeff Poor. I believe that the evidence is clear uh, what was going on with Hunter and the big guy and the whole family. I mean, I think $10 million is an underestimate. You start looking at um, offshore accounts and on down the list, I think the evidence is clear. It's time to move forward with that impeachment inquiry. Alabama Congressman Barry Moore also released a statement following the vote in the U.S. House on Wednesday night, which formally launched an impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden. Moore says that despite what the media and Democrats are saying, there is more than enough evidence already acquired that justifies an impeachment inquiry against Joe Biden. Moore maintains that Biden lied about his involvement in family business dealings and used his office as vice president to take money from Chinese state-linked companies. Moore serves on the House Judiciary Committee and says that Republicans on that committee are simply following the facts rather than playing politics. The chairman of the House Oversight Committee, by the way, has now started an investigation into an Alabama-based Southern Poverty Law Center. Chairman James Comer has sent a letter to the U.S. Department of Education seeking all communications between that department and the SPLC. Comer is wanting to determine how much influence the SPLC has exercised within federal government agencies towards conservatives and other groups that are not on board with the progressive agenda. The SPLC has been racked with controversy for several years now, ever since they started to release their hate map, which identifies organizations or persons that the SPLC consider to be on par with the Ku Klux Klan and white supremacy groups. Just this year, Moms for Liberty, which is a parental rights group, was put on that hate map. The attorneys in the Jawan Dallas case out of Mobile are disputing the release of 911 transcripts that were made public by Mobile City leadership. The public safety director, Robert Lasky, released the transcripts to counter what he called was a false narrative being created by the attorneys for the Jawan Dallas family. 
Those attorneys filed a lawsuit at the start of this week against the city. Attorney Harry Daniels now says that the 911 dispatch call shows that the person being described as a suspect in a burglary at a mobile home park did not match up with the size and weight of Dallas or what Dallas was wearing that night. Daniel says that the only commonality between the 911 description of the burglary suspect in Dallas was that they were both black men. Mobile City leadership is revealing plans for a riverfront development in the downtown area. Riverwalk Plaza will be a mixed-use area for entertainment, hospitality, offices, retail stores, bars, and restaurants. The plaza will be situated along Water Street at the end of Dolphin Street near the convention center. That development also provides for access over the railroad tracks for both pedestrians and vehicles. Mobile Mayor Sandy Stimson spoke with Fox 10 TV News, saying that the goal has been to activate the downtown area for some time now, especially along the river. For more in-depth stories affecting the state of Alabama, go to 1819news.com. In national news, well, the U.S. House voted on Wednesday night to formally launch an impeachment inquiry against Joe Biden. The vote was 221 to 212. The resolution was offered into the full House in order to keep the committees going further with their investigation into the Biden family business schemes. This comes after committees were being stonewalled by the White House and the Biden family from getting the documents and testimony that they're seeking. A perfect case in point is Joe Biden's son, Hunter, who was scheduled for a closed-door deposition on Wednesday within the House Oversight Committee. Hunter demanded a public hearing instead, but that was rejected by the committee chairman, James Comer, who said a public hearing would be held after a private deposition was done first. Hunter Biden proceeded to hold a press conference across the street from the House office complex on the day that he was supposed to be conducting a deposition. Let me state as clearly as I can, my father was not financially involved in my business, not as a practicing lawyer, not as a board member of Burisma, not in my partnership with a Chinese private businessman, not in my investments at home nor abroad, and certainly not as an artist. Hunter then got in a car and drove away. He never answered questions from the press, and he never showed up for his deposition. This puts him in contempt of Congress. The Republican Party research team quickly posted a video of Joe Biden saying just two years ago that anyone who refused to appear in response to a subpoena from the House January 6th Select Committee should be thrown in jail. congressional subpoenas on the January 6th committee. I hope that the committee goes after them and uh, holds them accountable. Should they be prosecuted by the I, Justice I do, Department? yes. The chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, Congressman Jim Jordan of Ohio, had this to say about Hunter Biden's press conference and certain comments that he made. I think the biggest takeaway was the statement from Mr. Biden where he said, my father was not financially involved in the business. That is a huge change, which means sort of means he's involved. I think that's how anyone with common sense would read it. He's been involved, just not financially. That is a huge departure from everything they've said now for the last three and a half years. So as the chairman pointed out, the White House's story has changed multiple times. The Justice Department uh, story has changed multiple times on how they handle this investigation. But the story that hasn't changed, the testimony that has been consistent and stood up to cross-examination is the two whistleblowers. Their story has not changed, and frankly, it's been buttressed and reinforced by every... We've done eight different depositions of people involved in the investigation at the Justice Department, the Hunter Biden investigation, and none of them have refuted what those guys say. So over time, it just keeps changing from the White House. And this, this statement today, I think, is, is the biggest news of, of the morning, I guess, along with the fact that he didn't show up. 
Well, the U.S. Supreme Court has agreed to take up a case that challenges the use and interpretation of a federal law regarding obstruction of an official proceeding. The three defendants in this case were charged by federal prosecutors using this federal law for their part in the January 6 events in Washington, D.C. The three defendants have been appealing their charges, saying that the federal government is openly abusing and misinterpreting the federal law in order to charge them and hundreds of others of people that were in D.C. on January 6. Julie Kelly is a journalist who has been following dozens of J6 defendants and their legal cases. Kelly spoke about this recent decision on Steve Bannon's war room. For two reasons, the March 4th trial date is gone. Uh, number one is the Supreme Court agreeing this morning to take up this 1512C2 count. This is the felony charge that DOJ has weaponized, bastardized, flagrantly misinterpreted the language and applied this to more than 320 January 6th defendants. It also represents half of Jack Smith's four-count indictment against Donald Trump. He charged him not only with the 1512C obstruction of an official uh, uh, official proceeding, but also conspiracy to commit obstruction of an official proceeding. So that really threw a big monkey wrench into Jack Smith's plans today. We were sort of waiting for that to happen on Monday. The Supreme Court announced it today. Look, there is no argument that the DOJ has misinterpreted that statute intentionally and finally are going to get caught for doing so. This decision by the Supreme Court comes on the same day that a D.C. federal judge decided to freeze any more movement on the trial against Trump that's being conducted by Jack Smith. That's because a different issue over presidential immunity is working its way through the appellate court system. Smith was hoping to start the trial against Trump this coming March, but the two decisions made by the two different courts this week is now putting the timing of that trial into question. This even potentially pushes Trump's trial past the 2024 election, which is what his attorneys have been seeking all along. Trump has been posting almost every day since this trial came about from Smith that Smith could have issued charges against him years ago and that the timing of this trial is nothing short of election interference. There was a survey done by Rasmussen Reports that was released earlier this week that brings a whole new perspective about the level of election fraud that occurred in 2020. The survey was conducted by Rasmussen and the Heartland Institute, and it was done among voters regarding their actions during the 2020 presidential election. The survey results show that one out of five voters admitted to at least one kind of voter fraud with their mail-in ballot. 17% said they used a mail-in ballot to vote in a state where they no longer permanently live. 21% admitted to filling out a mail-in ballot for a friend or family member and 17% said that they signed a ballot for a friend or family member without that person's permission. 8% said that in 2020, they were offered some type of pay or reward for voting. Now consider this other statistic that was put out by Rasmussen. 43% of U.S. voters cast their vote in 2020 for president using mail-in ballots. The director of the Heartland Institute, Justin Haskins, called the survey results stunning He says that no Democratic Republic can survive if election laws allow voters to commit this type of fraud so easily. Also happening in the U.S. Supreme Court this week, the justices decided to take a case that challenges the abortion pill Mifepristone. The Biden administration is appealing the case to the Supreme Court after an appellate court ruled that the drug cannot be sent through the mail system, but must be obtained from a pharmacy. Danko Laboratories produces Mifepristone. They're also joining into the case with the Biden administration. The oral arguments in this case will be delivered in the spring of 2024, with justices issuing their ruling in June. You're listening to The Daily Detail from 1819 News. 
If you are enjoying the daily detail and want to make sure that these reports come up easily on your smartphone, then be sure to hit the subscribe or follow button on whatever podcasting app you are using. It's usually on the main page of the daily detail. That could be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbeam, or some other app. And also be sure to visit 1819 News for more reliable, up-to-date information on what's going on around here in Alabama. You can also join 1819 News by becoming a member, which will get you exclusive content as well as 1819 merchandise. You can visit 1819news.com backslash membership to learn more. I'm Andrea Tice. I'll be back again tomorrow. I look forward to updating you then. Alabama. Alabama. Our great state. Alabama. Of Alabama. This has been The Daily Detail. For more up-to-date news, go to 1819news.com, where you'll find honest news and Alabama values. 